Hello and welcome to Mercy Podcast episode 8. Straight down to business this week with some music. nice glitchy electronica there to start the show that was Kapak or Kapuk not entirely sure how it's uh, pronounced correctly so I'll just just have to model through and sound like a, a bit of a book I do know how the name of the song is pronounced though it is Missing 36 the full version of which is free to download from their MySpace myspace.com forward slash Kapak Music C-A-P-A-C Music they also have a website kapakmusic.co.uk um, you'll find more info about them there, as well as a link to their shop. You can and should buy their EP Pastels, a bargain at only a fiver. Um, if you're in Liverpool, they're playing at the Co-op on Renshaw Street on November the 6th as part of Hellfair. 
Uh, that's an all-day, all-night event with uh, lots of activities going on, including a couple of other bands, uh, Wraiths and Conan. They'll be doing something a bit more industrial, a bit more doomy, uh, should provide a, an ear-bashing, but nevertheless interesting contrast to Capac's cerebral dance music. Hellfare, by the way, is part of Shooting the Breeze, the current exhibition that's on at the co-op. It opened on Wednesday, November the 3rd, and runs just a short run until November the 7th. But more about that and all the upcoming events for the next three and a bit weeks of the Biennial on the Cooperative website, www.thecooperative.info. Orders from the top brass. Play it all, never skip past. It's the Mercy Podcast. Orders from the top brass. Play it all, never skip past. It's the Mercy Podcast. Orders from the top brass. Play it all, never skip past. It's the Mercy Podcast. Orders from the top brass. Play it all, never skip past. It's the Mercy, 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 Mercy. We thought we'd have a a slightly more musical bent to the show this week as we find ourselves slap bang in the middle of the annual Liverpool Music Week. If you want the skinny on who's who on the Liverpool band scene right now, you can do worse than head down to one of their free gigs. There are ticketed gigs too, but that's that's more seasoned bands from other parts of the UK or, in fact, other parts of the world. Um, it's the free gigs you'll find a lot of Liverpool names worth checking out. Just look at the website, liverpoolmusicweek.com. Annoyingly, it doesn't feature links to all the all the bands or musicians that it mentions. Uh, still, it shouldn't stop you if you know how to cut and paste or use an internet search engine. Um, Emily and the Faves is one band you should look out for. Lovely song on her MySpace called Golden Hair. Might try and play that in the next fortnight. And Binary Toad. Excellent name. Some really scuzzy, cheap and nasty electronica. Just to be contrary though, I'm not going to play either of them, but rather a song by a guy who departed Liverpool, uh, returning to his native Leeds some time ago, Mr Tom Brooks. The more you ask me what I want to be Sideways, leading me down the back. 
That was More or Less by Tom Brooks. Uh, many thanks to him for letting us play that. Tom wrote the soundtrack for homegrown horror film Click, which just won Best Short Film at the Grim Up North Film Festival in Manchester. More about that at click-film.co.uk. Uh, more about Tom, more importantly, at myspace.com forward slash Tom Brooks UK. It's Brooks with an E, B R O K E S, Tom Brooks UK. Now, after gently ribbing the Liverpool Biennial about their blog posts last week, uh, the blog has thrown up yet another surprise a statement from Biennial Artistic Director Lewis Biggs entitled The Cuts. Sounds ominous, and well, it, it is. Uh, if you haven't read it, the full version is at blogs.biennial.com. But here's a quote from the uh, fourth paragraph, just to give you a, a vague outline. There is just one major issue we must persuade our politicians on all sides of the House to sort out as an absolute priority. There has to be financial regulation that prevents investment bankers, or anyone, gambling with the livelihoods of people who have no direct stake in the operations of these investments. And there endeth the quote. Uh, The article as a whole goes on for several hundred words uh, in a similar fashion, attacking the bankers attacking the, the state the country is in is thanks to the city, etc, etc. It seems to have got people talking. As blogger Matthew Taylor points out, uh, people don't normally comment on the Biennials blog posts, uh, but this seems to have got folks riled up. Uh, some on one side saying it's a brave statement, uh, some on the other side saying it's, it's just a little too vague. Uh, it is a little vague, in fact. Uh, you have to remember Lewis Biggs's hands are tied Uh, In some respects, he can't say what he really means. Um, The Biennial, as a charity, has certain restrictions on entering into the world of political lobbying. Uh, Go see what you think, anyway. The address, again, is blogs.biennial.com. Join the debate on the comments section. Uh, Maybe it'll inspire you to write to your MP, even, or perhaps uh, give a pound to your favourite gallery every time you take advantage of their free entry. God knows if I gave a quid to say the fact centre every time I I used it as a shortcut, let alone visited their galleries, the world uh, would probably uh, be a a much richer place. I'm going to play out this week with music by Conan, followed by some poetry by Luke Kennard. Hope you've enjoyed the show this week. We'll be back with a new episode on November the 12th.
We'd spend those Tuesday evenings wandering around the unused spaces of the farm, not really saying much to each other. I remember one day, I wanted to see how far I could push my tongue into this keyhole. It was, it was an old keyhole in a trapdoor at the back of a disused barn. So I lay face down on the dirty floor and I pushed my tongue into the keyhole. It was a bronze keyhole, so it tasted of blood and the sea. I forced my tongue in as far as it would go and then I stood up. You have to do it now, I said to James. And James was all, why would I want to do that? And I was like, well, if you're too much of a coward. And James was like, fine then, I'll do it, even though it's weird and stupid. <laughs> there were some laborers behind the barn. They were working on a fence, and they had one of those old white paint-spattered radios you see sometimes, and it was, as I recall, playing a love song. So James lay in the dirt and the hay where I myself had just lay, and he forced his tongue twisting it here, constricting it there until it was fully extended and the whole of it was inside the old bronze lock in the trapdoor in the barn. And I could tell by looking at the side of his neck that he had stuck his tongue in the keyhole a lot further than I had. <laughs> and then something dreadful happened. James's tongue got stuck. I suppose it had engorged and got kind of snagged on some mechanism of the lock, like a pilchard on a, on a line. <laughs> and he couldn't make a sound, or I suppose that's a lie, he could sort of make a... <laughs> kind of sound. Which doesn't amount to much, really, as far as meaning goes, I guess. He was in some discomfort, is what it implied to me. And if it hadn't been for my presence, I guess he would have, he would have possibly died there of gradual dehydration. <laughs> Eventually, the labourers came into the barn for supplies. They left some fence posts in the far corner, and I started shouting for them to come over. And after laughing at both of us for a while, they sawed him out. But he had to walk back with me to the farmhouse, holding a big, heavy square of wood to his face, his tongue was still, you understand, stuck in the, in the keyhole. When James's grandparents found us on the path in front of their house, they laughed. His grandmother took us into the kitchen and she sprinkled some bicarbonate of soda on what was still visible, which wasn't much, of, of James's tongue. It was as if this sort of thing happened all the time. And it just instantly retracted back into his mouth like a slug. And the lock mechanism and eight-inch block of wood fell on James's grandmother's foot. And I remember James felt terrible about that because it broke her foot. And she had to wear this giant cast and sort of bandage thing with plaster for, for months. And it looked like a giant cartoon foot. Old bones don't heal so fast, I guess. Point here. And that was when the farm started to go downhill, which was maybe a coincidence. The government weren't making it easy for agriculture in those days. But it can't have helped having your foot in plaster at kind of a critical time for your, your business. I've never admitted this before, but I was strangely aroused by the whole thing. 
to this day, seeing somebody with their foot in a cast just brings it all flooding back. <laughs> <laughs>